turn to the scriptures, please. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. God willing, we'll uh, hear another piece from Encounter Grace before we go home. It's good to see us this evening. If you're here for the first time, let me extend a warm welcome. You're very welcome to be with us. And when you're here for a few times, we class you as part of the furniture. So you just become part of us and just worship with us and feel free uh, and your freedom with us to uh, just be relaxed around us. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 21, please. We're only going to lift two verses. And the two verses we're going to lift are the last two verses. But keep your Bible open at this chapter because, and mark it because we're going to look in depth at it. It's very important for where we are today in this day and age. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22 and 23. If a man hath committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God. That thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the people you've brought this evening. We thank you for every head and home that's represented and every heart that is here. As our faces differ, so do our needs and those Lord, among us here tonight, there are different needs and different concerns for family members and loved ones. Even families not here who are mourning at this present time, we pray you'd bless them. Those who are sick and at home, Lord, we pray that you would encourage them and heal them. Or whether they're in the hospital tonight, we pray you'd be with them and raise them up. But now, Lord, for us in this place, we pray that you would you would draw close to us and near to us. We pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts as you deem it fit to do. So glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and ask it. Amen. The title for this evening is simply, The Accursed. The Accursed. You know, some people or many people may say to read from the book of Deuteronomy or one of the Old Testament books, they might think it's outdated. Even many Christians say, we're New Testament Christians. Well, we're Old Testament Christians. We believe from Genesis to Revelation, it is the word of God. And many may even think that to read from the new is the best because the Old Testament is antiquated and outdated. Many Christians even. It's too hard and it's maybe too harsh and, you know, the law is full of things we don't want to deal with nor talk about this evening. Notice here, some might even think that it's acceptable more if we just stick with the New Testament and don't preach with or from the Old Testament. Well, I want to just, for the start of our service, start of this message, just bring you uh, some scriptures to show you that we need the Old Testament. We need the Old Testament. And that is, remember, you cannot really truly know the New Testament without knowing the Old Testament. 
And that which is concealed in the old is revealed in the new. And so we'll look at some of these things. Some people think the Old Testament, what about David and Goliath? Well, we can read that part. Or Daniel in the lion's den, well, we can read that part. Or, you know, those things are all right. We learned those little stories. We don't mind those. Some of the Psalms, especially Psalm 23, when especially there's people going through a time of mourning. All of those seem fine, but really stay away from Deuteronomy. Stay away from Leviticus and so on. You know, in... John chapter 5 and verse 39. The Lord Jesus speaking to the Jewish religious leaders of his day. He says, search the scriptures. Notice, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Christ said that. Search the scriptures. What scriptures? There was no New Testament in those days. It will search the Old Testament. Search the scriptures from Genesis to Malachi. For they are they which testify of me. And in John 5 and verse 40, he then says to them, And ye will not come to me that you might have life. They're searching. They've got all of these laws and rules and regulations stuck on every part of God's moral law and commandments. They're trying to keep 613 that they might find salvation. Man's works and labors. Doesn't work. The Lord Jesus says, if you can see with the eye, as it were, of the Spirit, there's types, there's shadows, there's prophetic utterance, and they all point to and speak of me. Listen to William Barclay. He says of this, they read it not to search for God, but to find arguments to support their own positions. They did not really love God. They loved their own ideas about him. When we search the scriptures, we find Christ right through them. Christ in all of the scriptures. And William Barclay points out here that they read not to find God. But they read to find arguments in support of their own positions. Sounds familiar with many people. They read it for their argument against others. They read it to try and fit their own belief in to the scripture. And he also says here that they did not really love God. They loved their own ideas about him. And in, in our society, we find that people are, well, I don't believe God would this, or I don't think God would do that. He's not a God of judgment. He's not a God of wrath. Don't you realize that he's all love, love, love? God is love, but God has wrath. God is love, but God has wrath. And people miss out in the balance of it. And they try to fit God into their minds. Well, God is like this. And so they live how they like. They do what they want. They, they go where they want. They act how they please. And they sin with opportunity, importunity. And they walk in that course of sin, realizing, well, sure, when it's my time to go, Sure, God will never cast me out of his heaven. 
The Lord Jesus even said in John 5 and 40, and you will not come to me that you might have life. The Lord Jesus is saying, you won't come to me for in me is life. Those scriptures speak of me and I am life, life eternal. Many people can't see that even today. That it's the person of Christ in whom salvation is. In Luke chapter 24, we have the story of the two on the road to Emmaus. The Lord Jesus has been crucified, taken from the cross and put in the tomb. And now the tomb has been sealed. And this is the third day. They, they give up. They walk away. And they start going on a seven mile journey to the town of Emmaus. And on their way, they're dejected and they're down for they thought that this was the Christ. They thought that this was the Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel. They thought he was coming now, right now to set up his kingdom. But he's dead and he's in the tomb. And a stranger comes alongside of them and they don't recognize him. And it is the risen Christ who has veiled their eyes from receiving or believing or knowing that it's him at this point. And coming alongside, he, it says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, I'm beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Notice, beginning at Moses, Jesus opened the Torah. He opened the five books of Moses. He opened the law that was given to Moses. He went through the Psalms and into the prophets. He spoke of David. He spoke of Psalm 23. He showed them this. Isaiah 53, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed. He showed them right through. Showed him Zechariah proclaiming that a fountain would be open. A fountain would be open for, in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. Speaking of Calvary, and he showed them it all. Seven mile walk and a seven mile Bible study. I would love to have heard him expounding the word. If I have ever wanted to hear a Bible being expounded, it would have been by the word of God himself. When Jesus was tempted off the devil, in the wilderness after his baptism. Jesus used the Old Testament as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he took it and he slew, as it were, the devil with a sword fight in the wilderness. The first one he used was in the book of Deuteronomy, our very book we're reading tonight from chapter 8 and verse 13. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The second strike was in Matthew 4 and verse 7, but he he quotes from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He's parrying with two strokes of the sword of the Spirit. And then the third one, he brings it from Deuteronomy 6 and 13. He says, I shalt love the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thy serve. And the devil leaves him for a season. Three scriptures in our New Testament quoted 
by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, three of them were from the book of Deuteronomy. And some might say, Jesus, you should not use those antiquated books. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 16, the Apostle Paul tells us, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Yes, the New Testament is inspired by God, but it was being written through Paul's letters. The Gospels were even just about being written also. So he didn't have all of that. They had the scrolls of the law, the prophets, and the Torah. All of it, he says, Paul says, is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Torah. So in Deuteronomy chapter 21, I want to open up this chapter tonight. And at the end of it, I hope to get, God willing, to our reading of the last two verses of the chapter. So I believe there's so much more as we are in the run-in with this chapter. In chapter 21, we, we look and we'll search for the scriptures and we'll expound them to see what God is saying to us today. And we'll look and see what relevance has it to you and I, this old book. Verse 1, please. Deuteronomy chapter 21. We will stop and start just for a while that we go through this because there's so much. I don't want to miss too much of it. If one be found slain in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him, then thy elders... And thy judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. Now take note here. If one be found slain in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, notice, lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him. So here is someone found lying dead, murdered in a field. And so the law is telling us, if this happens, this is what Israel were to do. They were to measure from city to city the nearest city the man was to. And that was, as it were, their boundary. The nearest city that he was to, that city was to come under that sin and they were to make atonement for it. Stay with me. A man slain by wicked hands, and no one knows who did it. Ah, secret sin, brother. Secret sin, sister. Secret sin, Christian, and no one knows but me. Unrepented sin, friend. But years have passed. And years are gone. And no one remembers but me. 
God knows. God remembers. And until it's put under the blood, God will continue to remember. Now, if someone's sin has been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if someone has been to the cross and are forgiven through the blood of Christ, don't you ever bring their sin back up to them again? Because God has washed them clean and he has forgiven. But take note here. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel. It says, and Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. Take note, when they were in the field. Now from Deuteronomy chapter 21, and in the field here, we might think it's a grassy plain, nice and flat, and it's like a field just outside where we are here. But the ideas we run down through Deuteronomy 21, it gives the idea of just outside the encampment, in a field, in a ravine. It could be with mountains or hillsides where water flows. This is the idea of this. Cain brings Abel into the field and says that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. One found in the field. God didn't forget. And now it's in the law, Deuteronomy chapter 21. There's been many atrocities in our land. And many men have went on from this scene of time and died and went on. And they've went on with blood in their hands. And God hasn't forgot. Don't you die without having your sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb. In 1 John 3 and in verse 12, we're told Cain was off that wicked one and slew his brother. Notice Cain, oh, he was off the devil. He was off the wicked one and slew his brother. In Genesis 4 then and in verse 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is thy brother, Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10, the Lord says, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. No one knew Cain but you. No one else was there but you when you slew your brother. But I heard and I know. Notice what he says. What has thy done? Did God not know what he had done? Of course he knew. When he said the first before, where is Abel thy brother? Did God not know where he was? Of course he did. In fact, when God came in the garden, when Adam and Eve had sinned and they were hiding, he said, Adam, where are you? Where art thou? 
Did God not know where Adam was? Yes, of course he did. But he calls to every sinner of Adam's race. And he's saying, where are you with me? What he's really saying is this. He was calling Cain out for confession of his sin and repentance from it. Am I my brother's keeper? Sure, I don't know where he is, God. As if God didn't know and God didn't see his brother lying in the field. He says, your brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. You see, God knew exactly what had happened and where it had happened. God knew exactly how it had happened and when it had happened. God knew exactly who had committed it and how he had done it. And God was calling out to Cain, I know you. You have followed the wicked one. In John 8 again, or John 8, pardon me, in verse 44, the Lord Jesus said to the unbelieving Jews in his day, now listen to what he says, the words of Christ, ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. Listen, he was a murderer from the beginning. Now hold on. We know he was cast out of heaven. Satan was cast out of heaven. We know he came to earth and he was in the garden. But how was he the murderer? Because Cain was the vehicle that Satan would use to slay Abel. Do you ever wonder why? Because God's chosen seed line would come from Abel. And if I can thwart the work of God, I will have the victory. You know, you cannot thwart the work of God. God will always have the victory. Take note of this. Year off your father, the devil, Jesus said to the unbelieving Jews in his day. He says, the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and bowed not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. And when he, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And just let me interject here, Christian. How many of you are listening to the devil's lies recently? Whispers in your ear to pull you down. Whispers in your ear. Bring somebody alongside to make you feel bad. And, you know, God will... God doesn't love you anymore. You're not, maybe you're not saved after all. You know, all of these things or brings up your past. And what, what, what are you listening to of the devil's lies? What am I listening to? Sometimes the devil's voice is louder to Christians' ears than the word of God. Oh, you're never going to make it. Well, not in my strength, I won't devil, but thank Goodness, I have the Lord living in me. And I'm not saved in my strength, nor in my merits, or 
I'm not saved in anything that I have done or I could ever achieve or do. I'm not saved by those things. I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ. So I will attain the kingdom. Because of who you are? No. Because of who he is. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. The innocent Christ. The spotless lamb. The innocent Christ was taken by the hands of wicked men in Jerusalem. Taken outside the city walls and crucified as it were a man slain in the field. On the hillside. Oh, was there water running there? Yes, the brook Kidron was there. And he crosses the brook Kidron. You see, I've told you and I'll tell you again. I've done a study on it. I don't believe Gordon's Calvary is where he was crucified. And I don't believe that he was crucified and now they have the big Roman Catholic chapel there, the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. They go and stick their, hole in, their, their hand in the hole of the rock and so forth. I don't believe he was crucified in any of them. I believe he was crucified on the Mount of Olives. He crosses over the brook Kidron and slain, as it were, in the field outside the city walls. You might say, how do you come to that? It's online. You'll have to look it up. It's a whole study. Take note of this. Yes, there was water. And yes, there was blood. Because out of his riven side, when they put in the spear from the Roman soldier, there flowed out blood and water from his side. Take note of this, please. The blood of Christ speaks louder than the blood of all. Lasts longer than the blood of bulls and goats and animals. The blood of Christ Still avails for us tonight. The Father has not forgotten his son. I want to say it again. The Father hath not forgotten his son. If there be a man slayed Slain lying in a field. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, please, if you will. Verse 3. It says, And it shall be that the city which is next to the slain man, even the elders of that city, shall take an heifer which have not been wrought with and which hath not drawn in the yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer into a rough valley, which is neither ear nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. Notice the elders and the judges. Now we think of elders in the church, but spiritual, no. These elders and judges, they are, if you want, the civil authorities of the city. And the civil authorities would come out with their measuring and they would measure, is this body closer to that city or that one or closer to our city? And they all would measure. And if it was in closer to this city, then they had to deal with this. The sin was lying at their door. 
Ah, please don't put that sin at my door. None of my business. The sin was lying at their door. Ah, but that's what we're all like with sin. I, I, I don't really want to deal with that. And please, don't put it at my door. They measured. You know what they did? Actually, the laws of the word of, the word of God are actually our laws that we have today. And they, they measured out, and it would have been like we have today, borough councils. Not so long ago, summertime, sometime, Alison and I were driving. We're going along the road, and next thing is almighty thud. And my front passenger side wheel went into a hole about this deep. And the tire just, boom, blew. Thankfully, we weren't going too fast. And as we got past, there was a little lay-by, and we pulled in. There was other cars there, and there was about four or five other cars all done the same thing. They're all waiting on recovery or waiting on trying to get their wheel changed. And we pulled in too. And someone had phoned the police because everyone was hitting it. So after a while, the police come out. And just at the inside where the, the hole was, we were this side. Wasn't there a borough council uh, sign there? And they couldn't do anything because in this borough council, it was up to this council, not to that one. So my, my wheel hit here and it, because they're stopped there, they couldn't do anything for us. We were telling them about this hole in the road. So we had to get a new tires and so on. Anyhow, in this day, it's like the borough council. That's not ours. That's yours. That's not ours. That's yours. We can do nothing with this. You have to deal with your sin. I can't deal with your sin for you. But we don't really own this. Oh, yes, you do. It's inside your borough. Yes, you do. It's inside your borough. The civil authorities and the judicial system must acknowledge their sin. The civil authorities and the judicial system may tidy things up and they may clear the area and they may even set up their inquiry room about this body or this hole in the ground that we went into or this sin and they may look into it but if it's not dealt with it's still theirs. It's still theirs. When I wrote this yesterday, I wrote this on the back of being in Armagh on Thursday, preaching in the street, when Boris Johnson and all the leaders were at an ecumenical, ungodly, anti-Christ meeting in Armagh. The UP were there. 
now we hear that it's been passed, even with their support in Belfast, that they're trying to actually eradicate preachers of the gospel off the street first. Then they'll be wanting to do it in the church. See the judicial system who lets the terrorists out who have five, six life sentences behind them after a few months because of some quangle piece. It's their sin. It's their sin and they'll answer to it. Blood on their hands. From both sides. You see, there's not a single acknowledgement of the sin committed in our land. And now they're passing and have been passing laws that are abominable in the sight of God. We find that in it all and through it all that you and I who are Bible believing blood washed and blood bought children of God we are fundamental but we're hateful because we love this word and the God of the word Do you see the civil authorities, judicial system? Do you see all of those borough councils that meet up in their, in their halls and in their offices that make ungodly decisions that now there's abortion even up to birth in our land? They will answer to God. They will answer for what they're doing. Gay marriage, no such thing. These elders and judges would come out and they would pay an atonement and try to wash their hands off it. I'm going to show you. Now you watch. You listen to what's happening at the minute. Now you watch the atonement that's trying to be made. Or maybe trying to redeem the time a bit here. You watch the atonement that's being made. They'll come out of the woodwork. But there's no atonement with God with them. Unless they repent and turn to Christ. John Calvin once said, When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. Do you ever wonder how Great Britain became just Britain? 
Look at the wicked rulers in Canada. Trudeau, look at him. And the laws that are being passed there. Look at Biden. They're all Marxist communists under the guise of democracy. Look at the state of our own nation. The state of our own land. And the Marxism that's in our nation. So then we have to think, is God, since we have wicked leaders, is God judging us as a nation? In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 28 and 29 says these words. For they are a nation void of counsel. United Kingdom, the Republic of Ireland, United States, Canada. Have you heard the news from Australia recently? It's like a prison camp in the cities. The people are locked up. They're being beaten on the streets for peaceful protest. They're being thrown in prison for not wearing a mask. In Australia, they had something on the news two days ago that they were out and there was like a parade through the streets of people being released, allowed out for a while after something like 20 months of captivity. Don't you and I think that it will not come to our land and our nation? It's already been propagated. For they are a nation void of counsel. They'll take counsel from everyone and everything. They'll take counsel of every one worder and the latest government of our world that we live in today. They'll take counsel of everyone but from the Lord. They are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. I see the big wigs. I see the pointy heads coming out because of so many brains. I see them all. They come out and they blind us with science and they flatter us with great swelling words and long letters behind their name and they, they flatter us and make us feel like nothing. But praise God, the word of God tells us that God has saved those who are not the wise in the world. But we're wise in him. He saved the weak and the foolish and the best things. Verse 29 says, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this. Listen, you're void of counsel. There's no understanding in you. This is what God is saying to Israel. God's saying it to our nation tonight. There's no understanding in you. God is far from your sight. He's away from your schools and universities. You're throwing God out of everywhere. And then people say, where was God when all this came? Where was God? God was where you asked him to be. 
outside of your home and your head and your heart, of your cities and your colleges. That's where he was. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this. Notice that they would consider their latter end. We're not at the end yet, you know that. We are not at the end yet. But see, when things are coming to the end, you know what happens? You know what this word tells me? Thank God for his word. You know what it tells me? It tells me Christ is coming. And the only one world government that's ever going to rule is the kingdom of God on earth. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I better move on. Time's slowing, flying. Notice Isaiah 9 and verse 16 says, For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. Our nation. See, United States, if you ever, if you look... At a map of the shipping traveling, uh, the shipping in the United States, there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of ships on the East Coast and the West Coast, the whole way up, and they can't get into the country. Go look it up. It's the same here. You know what's wrong here? Do you know we have 200 chairs ordered from England? How long are they ordered? From June? They're only coming from England. Do you know why they can't get here? Well, there's an Irish sea border. There's an Irish sea border. Do you know what the Irish sea border is? A long grab of the European Union from the Republic of Ireland. About seven pallets, 200 chairs. We can't get them across a 20-mile stretch of water. Proverbs 14 and verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sinners are approached to any people. I shouted that at Boris Johnson when he drove around past us and was on the loudspeaker. I told him, Westminster needs to repent. Shouted it in the mic as loud as I could. Puritan Thomas Watson, listen to what he said. Sin hath a devil. Its father, pardon me, sin hath a a devil for its father. Shame for its companion and death for its wages. Because of the the laws, the rules, the regulations and the ungodliness of our civil authorities, as it were, our judicial system and all the things that are happening. Listen, there are those who destroy the lives of young people and they get out with a slap on their wrist. Makes me wonder. Makes me question. John Bunyan wrote this Sin is a dare of God's justice. Sin is a dare of God's justice. The rape of his mercy, the jeer of his patience, the slight of his power. And the contempt of his love. And this province is shaking the fist 
at God and even those who proclaimed to be believers in Christ are voting and facilitating facilitating sin in our land. In Deuteronomy 21, the clergy are called. Well, things will get sorted out now, won't they? The clergy's here. Hmm. That's what they thought in our as well. Deuteronomy chapter 21, please, verse 5. The priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near. For them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, to bless in the name of the Lord. And by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. And the elders of that city that are next to the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. And they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Hmm. I don't want to dirty my glasses. Hold on. Hope I don't fall over something now. Not ours. But look what's happening. Look at the laws that's being. Someone stand up. Someone say something. Someone, you, you, you've, you're bound to leave the government. And the clergy are saying, let's get together and have a great ecumenical service. And I think that'll patch everything up. It says here that they are they that the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him. Ministering what? Before God. What are they ministering now? To bless in the name of the Lord. And by their words shall every controversy and every stroke bite be tried. In other words, they're going to have the say, yes. What about the house of lords? I'll get my name in the house of lords and I'll do well. Set up for life. Forget about the gospel. Forget about the truth. Close my eyes to everything. And I'll get a job at the end of this. I'll become Lord Davidson of Donna Cloney. It's not that big like you. So. Brothers and sisters, do you see how the Lord's saying, this is, not, this is what's to happen. Measure this out. And when they come, it's to be on to me. You're to remember me. For I know where the sin lies. I know where the man has been slain. The elders wash their hands. They pour from the river you notice it was a valley, it means where they wash their hands with a river and they have this slain heifer. People say, oh, that's cruel. Yeah, it reminds us of the enormity and the immensity of our sin. They wash with water over the heifer, their hands. It's not ours. <laughs> Look, we're free from it. We don't even know how it happened. You know this would remind you of? And it was actually done in the New Testament. 
In Matthew 27 and verse 24, Pilate takes a bowl of water at the trial of Jesus. And he washes his hands. I am innocent of the blood of this just person. Pilate, you can wring your hands all you like, but if you sentence him to death, then the slain man is at your door. And so same with every one of us, if we reject Christ, the slain man, as it were, is at your door. For Christ was slain for you. I must close. Matthew 27 and 4, remember Judas Iscariot? He takes the 30 pieces of silver to betray the Lord Jesus. And after he's arrested and tried and Judas comes to the old priest. You know those who Jesus says, you're off your father, the devil. Well, the devil Judas walks out with the 30 pieces of silver and he throws it at them. He says, I have betrayed the innocent blood. Can you see how Deuteronomy speaks not only of Christ and all that happened and why these things happened in, in the Gospels. It speaks of our land today. Unavenged murders defile the land and pollute it. Unavenged murders defile the land and pollute it. I've had a family member murdered. Gone down in cold blood. Shot dead in his place of work. Never ever knew who done it. But I can tell you this. He does. He does. So let's look at our two verses and we'll close. Verse 22, just for time's sake, we'll run to there now. Verse 22, and if a man hath committed a sin worthy of death and he be to be put to death and now hang him on a tree. This doesn't mean with a rope on the neck until he's dead now. It means as in crucifixion or to impale with hands like this. So it can either be, but it's to hang them there, the day, till they're, either when they're dead, or else hang them till they're dead. Verse 23, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, and thou shalt, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, for an inheritance. See the word accursed then, the accursed. The word of cursed here is the word kill all law. Kill all law. And it means to vilify. The one hanging on the tree has been vilified, slandered. And this, this happened to the Lord in the tree, didn't it? This happened to him. It means to be condemned. 
to be criticized and to be slandered with abuse. The Lord Jesus hanging on Calvary's tree was all of them. But the greatest curse was the curse of God. He became a curse for us. We are under the curse of the law. He became the curse for us. But when we believe in him, when we trust in his finished work on the cross, then we are not lost but saved. And no longer under the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13, Paul says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law and being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So Christ became the curse. You and I were cursed. We are the accursed. Under condemnation, vilification, slanderous devil at us, but in Christ... We are no longer under the curse, but we are justified and righteous. Here's my last text. 1 Corinthians 16 and 32. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema Maranatha. The word anatha means let him be accursed. In fact, I've preached on it. It's called the curse of the third level. There was levels of curse. Let him be, if you don't love him, cursed. If you don't love him, let him be accursed. Maranatha means the Lord is coming. And the word here, anathema or accursed, it means a thing set up or a thing set up in order to be kept. Let the curse stay on them until Christ comes. Maranatha. And if you're not saved, the curse is on you, the curse of the law, because the sin, sin is a transgression of God's law, and the curse of the law is still on you. And he says, if you love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let that be kept up in you, the curse, until Maranatha, until he come. And he tells us there are those he will say, depart from me, cursed. For I didn't know you. I trust you're saved tonight. Brothers and sisters, is not a wonderful book. It's not a wonderful book. I love this book. That's my lifeline. And everything. And God bless you tonight.